corporate CPR, where we breathe life back into your organization, projects, and processes, giving you insights to recovery and avoiding corporate mortality events. Today, we'll be talking about risk management, and joining us to contribute to the conversation is Clay Ogden. Welcome, Clay. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Do you want to share with the audience a little bit about your background? Yeah, so I, I do business development for SRA 831B. Uh, we essentially, you know, kind of my role in the company is to work with business owners, work with CPAs, financial advisors, et cetera, kind of helping them understand what it is that we do and how it can help their, their business owner clients. Yeah, so we're going to get a little uh, more technical, I think, than we usually do in the sense that um, very specific um, talking about insurance and risk management. And, you know, I guess, Clay, I was under the assumption you could uh, insure everything, but I guess maybe from your traditional uh, insurance, that may not be true. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of instances and honestly, no really a better time to talk about it than now, right? The last three years have made it brutally obvious that there's a lot of uninsured types of risks in businesses and you know the pandemic political types of risk closing businesses down lots of businesses have had a lot of business interruption lots of losses in revenues um, forced closures supply chain interruptions lots of things that are not covered by traditional insurances uh, that ultimately falls to the business owner to bear the brunt of and that's that's exactly where our type of program fits so let's talk about a few of those examples because those very well could be, um, you know, quote unquote mortality events for an or, uh, for a company. So if they don't have the funds to to get them through, then then they'll most likely go out of businesses. So what are some of the things you've seen recently that have maybe driven a business, you know, driven a company out of business or close to out of business? Supply chain inter interruptions have been a big one. Mm. Um, you know, whether you're waiting on products product or product is delayed and you have contracts that have kind of assumed that timelines would be met. Uh, there's been, we've seen a lot of that stuff go on. We've seen a lot of political risk events, lots of government bodies, you know, deciding who's essential and non-essential mm. and forcing the closure of a business and inevitably, you know, re revenues taking a pretty sizable dip. And if you've got cash flow set aside to handle something like that, maybe it's kind of a bump in the road. But if you're not, you know, flush with cash and prepared for an event like that to take place, it could be devastating. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some, some of the other things we've seen is uh, dispute resolution type policies for someone bringing legal action on a business. Um, those, those are oftentimes, you know, catastrophic or can be. Uh, we actually had a client that uh, used a filed a claim for a policy for loss of a key employee to an accident or illness, something that's not insurable. Um, but when, you know, one of the key pieces of the business goes down or out for, for whatever reason, you know, that, that can be devastating. And we actually had a medical professional that went out, you know, he ended up having stage four cancer and had to treat it for six to eight months. And he generated about 75 to 80% of the revenue for his company. And when that type of thing happens, in large, large companies, there's always someone to fill in, it seems like. In smaller business, not so much. 
Well, I would assume that maybe even though that that type of insurance is taken out in large companies for for your kind of key principal people like your CEO or your um, oh, yeah. yeah. So talk to me a little bit about it, how it works because it, it, obviously then you're not insuring each uh, event uh, you know as it's like you would normally like oh I have an errors and emission policy and I have a general liability policy and I have a workman's comp policy. This sounds like it 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 works different. Can you talk a little bit about how that how that works? Yeah. So I mean, that's a that's a really good segue. I mean we. We do have programs. There are programs like ours that work with those traditional insurances, the ENO, the, the directors and officers, the workers comp, the general liability. You can use a program like ours for those, right? What, if I have a claim, I have those dollars earmarked and set aside for those purposes. If I don't have a claim, um, then I'm able to let those policies earn out at the expiration of that 12 month period. I can now take a loan from those dollars and use those funds if I need to. I can take dividends out of those dollars, which is coming out as a long-term capital gain dividend to the shareholders of the reinsurance company as opposed to ordinary income. Uh, so there's some tax benefits, potential tax benefits there, um, but it really is a risk management vehicle to help mitigate those, those bumps in the road if and when they come up. And so Inside of the 831B, you can actually set aside up to 2.4 million on an annual basis here in 2022 for these various types of risk. Um, how would, uh, so talk to me a little bit about how somebody would decide when, when this is right for them or, or, or is there even people who, yeah, who it's not right for? Uh, yeah, I mean, we have, we have Again, we work with kind of clients ranging from like a million in gross revenue all the way up to hundreds of millions. But really, the client that fits our type of program is if they have excess funds that they can set aside, right? I'm not going to be able to use these dollars or have access to them for this policy period, which is oftentimes a 12-month period of time. Uh, and so if, if you're running really tight on cash, it, this might not work for you, even if you are a larger company. But if you do have excess revenues to be able to set aside uh, to kind of part with for a, a one year period of time while those policies are in effect, then this is absolutely something that could and should be looked at as an option. Um, what, you know, so you mentioned, though, that this can take in place for um, having separate policies like errors and emissions and things like that. So. How, how does that work? How do you, how much money, I suppose, do you need to be able to set aside to have, say, equivalent where, I, you know, a standard for a small business is about $2 million for errors and omission coverage. So, or, you know, 5 million for cybersecurity. Like, so how does, how does, how do, what's the ratio between uh, investment and, and coverage? Yeah, so typically, you know, and a lot, a lot of the times in these types of programs, you're going to find that you're going to have two times the amount of pre or coverage the, of premium dollars you put in, right? If you're looking at more of those traditional lines of insurance, obviously they're going to be underwritten to determine what those limits of liability are. Um, but on some of these more unforeseen, uncommon types of risk, uh, a lot of the times it's going to be a two for one. You know, if I put a million dollars in, I'm going to have $2 million in coverage. But more often than not, you know, there's going to be some underwriting done. There's going to be some um, 
kind of comparison of what policies you currently have. Other types of scenarios that we've seen and could be looked at is, you know, maybe those traditional policies stay intact, those errors and emissions, those work comp, GL type stuff, and you have a really good loss ratio. Don't really ever have a lot of claims. Let, maybe there's an opportunity to look at raising the deductible to decrease the premium dollars that are being paid, have some savings there, and then implement what's called a deductible reimbursement in, through a program like ours. And therefore, you're kind of becoming more efficient on how you're meeting that deductible until the insurance kicks in. So there's just, there's a lot of areas where businesses can become more efficient in this area. Um, you know, not a lot of people are familiar with these programs and the fact that they do exist. So, um, so obviously you can take up a lot of money and fund or, um, in, in insurance, uh, because there, you know, you can have legal insurance and you can like all sorts of different types. Um, so how does an organization, uh, I guess, determine what, what ratio, um, to revenue that they should even be setting aside for, for insurance premiums? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, a lot of the time we're going to, you know, we're going to work with the, the owners of the business. We're going to work with the CPAs their tax planners uh, to kind of see where there may be areas of need, where there might be, uh, where they've either, either had issues in the past or what are things that keep them up at night? You know, a lot of the times our clients have areas where they feel if something happened, they would be, they would be in a really bad way. Right. And so our program really is to help them take those excess profits in the good years when they have those, you know, a lot of times people's tax plan is to go buy equipment in a, in a year to save on taxes. It's not really a tax plan, right? If we have excess funds and we can set those dollars aside for the inevitability that there's going to be an issue at some point, um, you know, let's, let's do that. That's a much better way of running the business than just spending money to save on taxes. What are some misconceptions that people have around, um, you know, whether it's insurance or, or, or the, the plan, this plan in particular? Um, you know, a lot of every once in a while we'll hear, well, I've already, I have insurance for that. I have insurance for everything. I've never really had any issues. And if that's true, that's great, right? We can, there's still plenty of scenarios where you can maybe gain some tax benefits or become more efficient in how you're managing those very same risks right now. Mm -hmm. But the beautiful thing about our type of program is that a lot of the policies that we issue through these 831B plans you can't insure for on the open market, the traditional insurances. They are going to be things that you self-insure right now with after-tax money and cash flow. Mm -hmm. And if we can add some efficiencies to setting aside pre-tax money to manage those very same risks, that's exactly what these programs are for. And you know, the, the pandemic over the last few years and all the issues that have stemmed from it have really strengthened the idea and the, the reasoning behind why these programs exist. Um, do you have that, you know, I always, always love anecdotes, any, any good uh, stories about how it, um, um, you know, something like this really saved a company from, they could have gone out of business. I mean, a, just kind of a, a case study, if you will, is, you know, we, we actually had a, uh, 
again, an, another medical professional, um, actually did a procedure on a client and mm -hmm. generated about 60, 70% of his revenue off of this procedure and had a medical malpractice policy. It was a 28 year old girl, three kids, you know, a few kids and procedure went fine. It was kind of a liposuction type procedure. Uh, procedure went okay. Uh, she didn't like the way her medication made her feel post-surgery. And so she just stopped taking it. And she ended up actually getting infected and, and passed away. Oh, and God. so, yeah. So a lot of the, you know, it's a terrible event, right? Nobody ever wants to have something like that happen. Um, and the doctor said, you know, well, I, it, it's as terrible as it is. It's the after procedure, when a, when a medical professional prescribes you medications to take, that's, that's still part of the process. And those things need to be followed up on. And when they're not, these things can happen. And, you know, what, what took place over the next little while was a lot of his competitors and a lot of media in the area threw him under the bus and basically said, hey, don't go see this person because they killed somebody. And it, it actually didn't happen that way. But in today's world with media, social media, I mean, a message gets going one direction and sometimes it runs so far that, you know, you're, you're so far behind that you can't, you can't fix the problem. Right. And so uh, he actually filed a claim for a brand protection policy to hire a PR agency, rebuild his reputation, um, kind of set the story straight a little bit of what had taken place to kind of, you know, get things turned around. And it's those things that can be, you know, those types of events can be catastrophic to a business if they go the wrong direction too quickly. Yeah, it seems, you know, in the brand space, there's there's probably a lot of room for um, for argument, I guess, to to invest in, in protection and in that, you know, you get, there's so many hot buttons these days where, um, you know, guess to use the the trending term people get triggered and they can destroy a company and um in no time for something that may or may not be the company's fault um and okay. it's really it's it's kind of disturbing how quickly it can get out of hand um you know so i think that's a really good example for where people may not think about oh uh you know people might think oh i'm completely covered but that an instance um, around brand management could really happen to anybody. You get in a disgruntled employee or um, an unhappy client, and if they've got if they wield enough power or can tell a good enough story, um, it can can cause a lot of issues for sure. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's it's only getting easier for those types of things to happen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whether it's true or not true, or there's parts of the truths there. Um, but it really is. And I mean, a brand and reputation type policy is every business that exists. They, they live on their brand and their reputation. Otherwise they don't have business. Absolutely. Um, what do you think some of the, uh, the, the key things then that, you know, when people are evaluating their, you know, their maybe risk profile, you know, do you have questions that maybe you suggest people, um, ask or reflect on? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the times when we're talking with clients, we're kind of introducing them to what we do and how this works. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll ask questions about, you know, have you guys ever had any issues that have come up? Have you ever had any, any of these types of 
either traditional insurance issues or more of these self-insured types of risks right now. Um, you know, have you ever had any supply chain interruptions? Have you ever had a loss of a key employee? Have you ever had any professional liability issues? Um, there's lots of different policies, lots of different areas that we can discuss. Um, but more often than not, when we gather our fact finder and our formation documents and kind of start working through the process, we do start to uncover some things that, you know, are, are more concerning to them than maybe they let on at first. And uh, it, it usually ends up kind of allowing us to, to start to morph some, some risk coverages into, into things that can you know, really ease their mind, um, not, just, not just cover risks, but make them sleep better at night, knowing that they, they have the ability to set funds aside when they can to fall back onto in case something were to happen. And you mentioned, because um, I think, I know you touched on this already, but maybe folks are thinking about, well, if I'm tying up all my funds and doing this, my excess capital, what if I have some other need that arises? So can you mention again, you talked about loans, you talked about end of policy date, but maybe go in a little bit of deeper if, if somebody, you know, needed those cash flow at some point. Yeah. So in, inside of that, really where it becomes a problem, and if it's, if it's really that tight, those are things that we're going to discuss um, you know, with the business and their, and their advisors um, right out the gates. But that first year, the premiums that are set aside are not usable unless it's for claims purposes, right? If they need it for, you know, buying inventory or something, that's not something that's necessarily accessible other than for claims purposes. Mm -hmm. Now, year two, let's say year one, we put in premiums. We didn't really have any claims. We had minimal claims. We have now those policies move they expire and those dollars move from reserves to surplus. And surplus means that I now have dollars that I've put in that are no longer at risk. And I have those inside of my, my 31B. I have the ability to defer them. I have the ability to loan from or dividend from. And so if I need to go buy a piece of equipment or I need to go buy some inventory or I need it for whatever reason, it's there for their usage this next year's premium is there for claims purposes on active risk coverages. No, that's so the first year is really kind of the hurdle, um, if you will, if that if they really are kind of tied on cash. Um, but those are things that we're going to weigh in and maybe maybe we kind of dip our toe into it rather than, you know, go in head first. Um, those, those are things that our risk management team and the owners of the business and their advisors can really kind of collaborate and find what's a good fit and what works for them to protect their business, but give them flexibility in running their business. Have you seen any information on how many companies are underinsured? Yeah, I mean, it, a lot of the stuff that we do there, you know, lots of businesses don't have coverage for it, right? And so um, a lot of the exposures through the pandemic a lot of frustrations for business owners were, I had been, I had a loss of revenue. I had, was forced to close down. I, you know, I I was forced to, or I couldn't get product, or it was slow in getting here, and so we didn't grow as fast as we wanted to. Um, you know, and every, it seemed like everybody's frustration was that traditional insurance wasn't covering these items, and they don't because they don't gather premiums for that. And so the businesses that have the ability to lean on their surpluses that they have set aside in years previous, or they have 
a little bit more cash at their disposal, either within their business or inside of a program like this to use in times of need to grow, um, you know, those are the, those are the companies that usually when things happen that like they have in the last three years, they're able to almost feel as that it's just a little, a speed bump. Whereas, you know, businesses that run really tight and lean on cash 24 seven, they may have, may have had to close their doors. Yeah, absolutely. So. We saw, we definitely saw a lot of that throughout the pan- pandemic, unfortunately, and, and obviously government programs, et cetera, can always do only do so much and, and, and it's limited funds. So, um, you know, companies thinking yeah, like about the future um, need to really understand how they can take care of themselves um, uh, in case those types of things aren't there. And, and then if you can get government funding, then it's even better because maybe you can grow. And if you have, it, you know, that plus insurance, maybe you you then set yourself up a time where you can actually grow versus contract. Uh, it always seems like when you have um, the risk management and the funds that in downtimes, that can often be the times of most um, opportunity for a company if they're prepared. If they're prepared. It's, mm. It is definitely opportunity. If, if they're not prepared, they're just, you know, trying to survive. Absolutely. Well, Clay, this has been a great conversation. I'd love to kind of hear what your, you know, the top three things you want to leave on people's mind um, uh, for about today's conversation. I mean, one, I would say there's lots and lots of businesses out there that either don't know these programs or exist or are vaguely familiar um, 831B can be an absolute gem of a resource to look at for kind of the uninsured or even the traditional insurances. Um, I would say there's, there's a lot of avenues that you could benefit the business from a cash flow standpoint, as well as from a risk management standpoint. Um, two, I would say, I think everybody's eyes have been a little bit opened over the last three years of what is covered and what is not covered, what my traditional insurances are covering and what I'm covering technically through my business and cash flow. Uh, and then three, just, you know, those that plan ahead tend to do well, whether things are going great or you hit a rough patch. Those that kind of are more reactive seem to always be slightly behind the curve, whether things are great or, or hit that rough patch, right? So. That's a good point. Um, Clay, how can people either get in touch with you or find out more about, um, about your company? Uh, our, our website is actually an amazing resource. And then get in touch with me uh, through my email or anyone on our team. And our website is www.831b.com. Uh, we actually grabbed that link or that URL about a year and a half ago when we rebranded uh, we we were pretty excited when we were able to snag it. So, well, awesome. Well, Clay, thank you so much for your time today. Um, really appreciate you being part of the show. Thank you. And to our audience, until next time, keep your organizations healthy. Hey, hey, it's your tomorrow.